Hi there, friend. This is episode 121 of the Pause and Ponder podcast with me, Susie. I'm so glad you have a few minutes to just, ah, you know, pause and ponder. Ponder the greatness of God together. Okay, well, it's good to be back here, and I'll just say again, hello, friend. I'm so glad you're here, and I hope you're I hope you're having a great day. How are you doing? I like to ask how you're doing, even though, you know, I can't hear your answer. And it's a good question to ask, and I guess that's what this episode is really about, is to truly ask ourselves, how are we doing? I don't have a great story for you. Sorry, I couldn't think of one, but... I do have something to share. So the last two weeks, I have taught junior high youth group because Wes was out of town. And I wanted to talk to you about um, just something to pause and ponder from what I taught last week. We are going through the book of 2 Samuel. We just started it as we had taken a, taken a break for the summer with youth group. So last week was 2 Samuel chapter 2. And we do this thing. This is a cool thing to do. It was Wes's idea that with each chapter of um, that we study of a book, last year we did 1 Samuel, now we're doing 2 Samuel. For each chapter, you try to think of a word or a phrase that summarizes the whole chapter. Just a word or a phrase to summarize the whole chapter, and then we would write it at the top of the chapter. So last year it was just a word, couldn't be a phrase. And this year he was like, all right, you can do a phrase. But it's kind of a cool thing to do. And then he he would challenge the kids. You read the chapter ahead of time and come to youth group with your word. um, And then we put them all on the board and we vote on whose word is the best. And then that's the one we all use. And that person gets $5. So it's very motivating to junior high kids. And we're happy to pay $5 to kids. Yes, we bribe them to read the Bible. (laughs) It's money well spent, right? So anyway, the, so I guess I did have a story. I just told you that story. Um, and I was teaching Second Samuel 2. So my phrase for my title for this chapter is something I have been pondering. And it is the problem of two kings. The problem of two kings. It's a great thing to ponder in our lives. So let me just give you a summary because uh, obviously I'm not going to read the whole chapter to you here because, you know, I like to try to keep things sort of short and like what you can keep in your head uh, as you go about your day. And I think the problem of two kings, that is something I can keep in my head. Hopefully you can too. And after and after reviewing what is in this chapter, it will give more meaning to that phrase of the problem of two kings. So I'll just tell you what happens in the chapter to refresh your memory. So, of course, in 1 Samuel, we had Saul becoming king and then, you know, failing and God choosing David to be king. But David didn't become king in 1 Samuel. It was just the struggle back and forth. And now here in 2 Samuel, in chapter 1, David found out that Saul had been killed and is super sad and sings a song of how sad he is. And now in chapter two, here's what happens. First, David inquires of the Lord, should I go up to the cities of Judah? So he's he's found out that Saul 
has died. He's taken the time to mourn Saul, you know, sing this song of lament. And now he says, Lord, do you want me to go up? And I think it's pretty awesome that this is David's first action uh, after lamenting Saul is to ask the Lord. You know, David has been waiting for this, for this moment when it would be just so easy to say, oh, well, Saul's out of the picture. So obviously God wants me to be king. He already told me, you know, you're going to be king. And now it's finally here. It would have been so easy, I think, to just leap ahead. But David doesn't do that. David's learned his lessons. He takes the time. David still pauses to pray and ask God first. And what a great, great reminder that is that we always need to do that. So anyway, God tells him to go to Hebron and the men of Judah anoint him king. So, you know, you would think all is well. Finally, David is king. But no, that that all happens. But then the action switches to Abner, who was Saul's commander uh, when Saul was alive. And Abner takes Saul's youngest son, who I'm just going to call Ish, because he has a long name, Ish-bosheth or whatever, Ish. And he makes Ish king. So now here's the problem. Now there are two kings, Abner's King Ish and David. And you know what? Two kings is always a problem. Two kings is always a problem. So two more things happen. They meet at a pool, the men of Abner and his men who were from Saul and Joab who is David's commander, Joab and his men who are of David. So these two armies meet at a pool and they fight and no one wins. And then the other thing that happens in this chapter is that a big battle ensues and long story short, David wins. If you count how many men have fallen as winning. He has less men die. But really, no one wins. And it's in the beginning of chapters three, it literally says a long war ensues. And it goes on to talk about that. So that's the whole chapter. That's the whole of chapter two. And my conclusion is two kings is a bad idea. The problem of two kings. And it really struck me as I taught this chapter to the youth that the same is true for us. You know, this is the pause today. We can only have one king. So if there is strife or conflict with others, or even just struggle in my own heart and mind, this is what I need to ask myself. Is there a battle between two kings here? Because if Jesus is king, there won't be any strife. And we know this from James 4. James 4 says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? And you could even say, what caused a fight and quarrel in the time of David, right after Saul's death, right? It was because there were two kings. But James puts it this way. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but do not have. So you kill. You covet, but you can't get what you want. So you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. So obviously here, the two kings would be self and Jesus, right? When self is king, there's fights and quarrels. 
and it even said it back a few verses before this in James 3.16. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. The battle of two kings. And you know, it was true in First and Second Samuel too. If you look at just a big picture of the life of King Saul, he had a lot of strife in his life because he wanted to be king instead of God. That's when the strife started, when he put himself uh, ahead of God. And then I think he had strife because he was afraid of David being king. Saul never recognized, like David did, that God is king over all. He had all kinds of rationalizations and maybe did lip service to that. But in his heart, he put himself above God. And then he was always afraid of someone taking his throne. What a sad example of a life of strife. And then, you know, he died in battle. He died, the the battle got the best of him. And then if you contrast that with David, you know, sure, David for sure had sorrow. And I mean, if you look at the Psalms, you see he could be kind of emotional, right? And we can be kind of emotional. I can relate to that. But David knew even when he had to wait for God's plan to happen for years and years, and you might be waiting for God to do something for years and years, but David knew that Jesus is king. Jesus is king. Even when his competition was knocked out of the way, when the obstacle was gone and the way made clear, he still, remember, he still paused and asked the Lord first because Jesus is king. So this chapter made me pause and ask the kids and ask myself, and now I put it out there for you, who is your king? Who is your king? Because there's any struggle with another person, whether it's at work or at home or at church, we have to ask, who is your king? So often, as they say, self slips back on the throne. As much as we want Jesus to be king, somehow we find our, we have self on the throne. We're just, you know, ruled by selfish ambition or what we want. We're just, you know, finding that we want our own way. You know, I found this happen to me when I, I told you last week, I just got back from, well, now it's been a month, but I had that big road trip where I took the our van out uh, west and then Wes met me. So I had those five days by myself. And honestly, when I picked up Wes and I was so excited to see him, I hadn't seen him in a week and it had felt like forever. And yet there was some strife and tension when we first both got back in that van because I had been in there by myself for five days. And I was like, Hey, that's not how I do this. You know, I had been so used to doing everything my own way. It took a little adjusting to get used to being together again. And after like a day, everything was fine. And it's like, okay, we're, we're on a good rhythm again now, but what did it take? It took me getting off that throne of, I can just do everything the way I feel like doing it. I can get up and make coffee when I want to. I can, whatever. I had to get off of that. And so it's so easy for self to slip back on the throne, right? We have to ask ourselves, has self slipped back on the throne? Who is your king? Who is your king? The problem of two kings.
If you are annoyed with a coworker, who is your king? If you're frustrated with a child, if you're having conversations in your head with a really good comeback or feeling sorry for yourself and resenting how you've been treated, we have to ask ourselves, who is my king? Because there is a problem with two kings. And it's really important that we heed this warning. This is a warning. Who is your king? Right? And even in this chapter, for Second uh, Samuel chapter 2, it included a little story to remind us, you better heed the warning. Pay attention when you're given a warning. Here's the little story I skipped from before. So, like I said, um, they met at the pool, right? And it was Abner was the leader on one side and Joab the leader on the other side. Joab is David's man. And Joab is one of three brothers. And his youngest brother was Asael. And he was known for being really fast, like literally a fast runner. And so they have the little battle at the pool, a bunch of guys die, and then a bigger battle starts. And Asael takes off after Abner, who was the commander of Saul's former army. So you got the, the little guy, the little fast guy running after the main guy on the other side. And here's what happens. Abner says, hey, stop chasing me. Go after somebody else. I don't want to kill you. And Asael doesn't listen. So Abner warns him again, and he still won't listen. He doesn't heed the warning. And Abner kills him. He actually thrusts the blunt end of his spear through his belly, and it comes out his back. So it's like a, it's a great visual, right? Heed the warning, or uh, you're going to get it in the gut. And you know what? Asael was in the army of God but he was foolish. He didn't listen to the warning. And so he had to reap the consequences. And I think it's a great warning to us. Look at SIL's example and listen, listen when God gives you a warning. And here is my warning to you. Ask yourself today, right now, who is my king? And then get yourself out of the way and ask Jesus to help you make him the king once again. Because we all do it. We all somehow let self slip back on that throne. And it makes me think of this passage, thinking about these two kings. And it's uh, a passage in Romans 6. And in this passage, notice the words reign and dominion. Reign, not reign from the sky, but like a king reigns, rules. Those are words about kings, right? Who is the king? Who reigns? who has dominion, who has authority, as well as the word master. Here's the passage. Therefore, do not let sin reign or rule in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And offer every part of yourself to him. He has to rule over it all as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master. Don't let that be the king. Sin shall no longer be your master. Because you are not under the law, but under grace. Under grace. When Jesus is our king, 
we live in a world of grace. And man, that is great, isn't it? Isn't that the greatness of God? That he will be our king. And he gives us a way to get away from this horrible rule of sin in our lives. Oh man, why do we ever go back? Why do we go back to that? I know, I know it's because we have a sinful nature, but don't you have to ask yourself, oh, why do I do this? You know, why do we? Oh, if we only, if we were only aware in the moment of the choice we're making, it's like, it's kind of like if you were at a beautiful wedding, the most beautiful wedding you've ever been to, and you're sitting at the table and you've got the, you know, you're feeling good in the dress you're wearing and, and they have great food and it's just, they got twinkly lights. It's all beautiful. And you leave it to go out to the porta potty. And not only do you go to the porta potty, but you just climb right in there and sit in the bottom of a porta potty. Ew, right? And yet that is what we do when we say, no, I'm going to put self back on the throne. When we let sin or unrighteousness, as um, that passage in Romans said, when we let sin be in charge of our lives and direct our actions or control our thoughts, you know, run the conversation in our head or let it sing the pity party song, we've chosen another king. We've, we've left the wedding and gone to the bottom of the porta potty. And that's the problem with two kings. Oh, that we would be reminded today, in this very moment, be reminded that there's a wonderful feast in front of us. There's joy and peace in front of us. The end of all strife and arguments and contentions, when we simply recognize, recognize the authority of our one true king, Jesus. Thanks for listening. And as you recognize the rule of our one true king, I pray that the thought would just make you burst into songs of worship. Till next time. Mm